0: physical aspect of it allowed me to feel more comfortable setting that boundary. Because if I can choke you with my legs,
1: sorry, Susan, I'm not watching your children today. Are you a mom with a story to tell, but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author, and I'm here to show you how step-by-step to get your books written published and sold even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap it's time to write like a mother with these moms right hi moms do you need to kick your creativity in the ass the holidays and new year's resolutions all of it can be a real drag on motivation so maybe it's time to learn how to put that annoying mom and play group in a chokehold Libby Weber is a thriller-action writer who is releasing the second book in her debut series, The Assassin's Legacy, this spring. She is also a mom of two and a self-defense teacher. In today's episode, Libby shares how learning jiu changed her approach to writing fight scenes and has helped her, in general, become one badass, boundary-setting mama. Please welcome Libby Weber. Hello, Libby. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So what are you most excited about right now? Uh,
0: I just got back from Vegas. I went to a 20 books to 50 K author conference. Um, And if you don't know what that is, it is like the biggest uh, indie author event that gets put on. Um, And there was like 2000 indie authors there. Whoa, 2000 there was like a like over a hundred different uh presentations going on like throughout the week there was so much information from craft stuff to publishing to just everything and um the best part about it was everyone was chill like there was a panel of like probably on the stage There was like seven million dollar income like a year on the stage easily and like they get off and they just hang out and chat with you like you are the neighbor and it's really nice. Um, So it's just like a really good uplifting community. Uh, So I got to go this year and I brought back so much information, marketing stuff and crafting stuff and behind the scenes of self-publishing that I haven't realized that I wasn't doing. So
1: Wow. Is it hard to navigate at all because it's like drinking from the fire hose?
0: Yeah, they do like a a phenomenal job in the group. Um, If you don't know where to find it, it's on Facebook. It's 20 books to 50 K on Facebook. Um, The people who run it do a really good job of like helping you along. So like I've gone to other professional conferences and the first time I went to for my job, um, I was overwhelmed because I'm like, I just got so information like so much. What do I do with it? Mm. Uh, And then the second conference I went to, I was like, okay, I'm taking like three nuggets Like I'm going to ignore everything else and the three most important things I take home with me. So I already knew going into this, I'm like, I'm going to pick three things I want to learn and that's it. Um, But they actually had like a first timers meetup that I didn't get to go to, but that's where they like break it down. They're like, listen, you don't need to remember everything, like make connections, meet people and pick the two or three things you want to take out of it because all of the event was recorded. Mm. and you can go back and watch anything you want. right? Um, and it, It's actually available to the public, I think, December 10th. They put it up on their YouTube. Oh, so cool. if you can't make it to Vegas, you can go and watch all of the information because they're all about making sure we have the information and not even like they don't make any money off of it.
1: I don't want to put you on the spot, so I'm not going to ask you three, but was there <laughs> one thing where you're like, dang, that was worth it? Oh,
0: yes. And it's not even... I feel like as an author who's been writing for too long, um, I should have been doing this sooner, but genres, mm. uh, learning about not just your genre, but other genres. So you can understand the plot points because most books aren't a genre. They're like thriller with some romance and action or some supernatural. And each of those have their own plot points mm. and like beats in like important questions And so when you learn about all of the different genres and their specific plot lines, then you can layer a better story. Mm. And I never thought about that. I'm like, oh, it's action thriller. There's a lot going on. And that's it. Not like learning how to layer it. So that was probably my biggest takeaway.
1: Oh, wow. That's cool. I hadn't thought about that either. Yeah. I
0: was like, here's a really cool story. Read it. Like, no, let's layer things. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's a better story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Layer it up. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so speaking of thriller actions, so tell us about your, your book and how you got started into writing. So you've, you've published one book so far.
0: Yeah. So my first book, uh, the assassin's legacy, uh, came out last year in October. Um, so it's just out a year. I have book two coming out in March of 2023 oh, man. and, I got started writing. I don't know. I like to write before I like to read. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, I read forever. And then I was like, I'll write a book. No, I hated reading. I just liked writing. So I used to write like little stories and plays mm-hmm. as a kid. Like, I think I have them somewhere in a box when we cleaned out my mom's house of like my handwritten, terrible, terrible like place. Um, <laughs> but then I fell in love with reading and then I fell in love with actually writing good stories. Um, and so I've been writing forever.
1: So what got you to publish a book then?
0: One of my best friends out in Texas, uh, we met in Okie and we were writing buddies. And at the time it was like, I want to get traditionally published. That was my, that was the goal. Yeah, I want to be trad pub, but I want to be in the bookstores. And uh, anyone who's gone the indie route doesn't go the indie route because they didn't get trad pub. They go the indie route for a bunch of other reasons as well. Um, my reason was traditional publishing uh, kind of put up a barrier. My favorite books are really long books, like 500 page, 600 page books. If you're trying to break into TradPub, unless you are already famous, they will not take anything that's outside of industry standards, which is like 120,000 words, top.
1: Mm.
0: Um, so, my book, the agents were like, this is great, this is fantastic. I can't sell it to a publisher because you're a first time author, write something shorter. <laughs> I like, I just spent 10 years writing this book. I am yeah. not just going to put it aside and write something shorter because there's all these hoops and bounds. And so I had a ton of good feedback on it. And I just like, uh, maybe it's just not meant to be published. And then my girlfriend was like, why don't you self publish? I'm like, that's a lot of work. That's why I wanted to trad pub. Cause so I didn't have to do the work. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years after that, I was like trying to, I was writing book two, and she's like, what are you even doing with these? Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm doing with them. They're stressing me out because I'm not doing anything with them. And she's yeah. like, You're publishing it in October. I was like, Oh, I am. She's like, Yeah. <laughs> okay. And that's that was pretty much it. I just needed somebody to tell me, like, just do it.
1: Yeah. Just do it. Because I
0: came it. up with tons of excuses why I couldn't. My kids, my husband, my my job, my this. She's like, No, it's ready. It's done. It's been sitting there. Let people read it. So
1: okay. Awesome.
0: That's the extended version of me deciding to self-publish.
1: Yeah. We all need that friend to kick our butt sometimes, right?
0: Yeah, she did. She was like, um, no excuses. I'm not accepting anything less. And I was like, okay.
1: (laughs) How did you find it? Like, was it harder or easier than you or anything else surprising about it?
0: Um, well, it's like having a kid. You don't know what you're getting into till you've already kind of gotten into it. Um, It was hard, but it was worth it because I had complete control of cover, of title. Um, I got to pick my editor. I got to pick my developmental editor. Um, It was the hard part was taking the risk of if it was like a vetted person, that was really hard because there's a scale of when you're doing an indie, like if you're going trad pub, like, you know, that's a good editor. So when I was looking for an editor, it's like, how do you vet them? How do you make sure? How do you know you're not getting scammed? How do you know you're not paying too much? Um, so that was that was the biggest hurdle for me. Mm-hmm. And that was the scariest part when people are like, just self-publish. I'm like, but I don't know anybody. Like, How do you do that? And so it was a kind of trial and error. I've got lucky on a couple things. A few things I had some lessons of, yeah, never again. But now I know if I didn't do it, I would have never known.
1: So the hardest part then was just knowing which of the, which people you could trust with that, you know, whatever piece of the process you were like outsourcing to them.
0: Yeah. Is it a good editor? Is it a good proofreader? Is it, you know, are they just charging me, you know, $1,500? And I don't know what I'm getting back. And, but once you get over the, the hump of like, take the risk, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing was communicating, like uh getting into the community. So like on TikTok, on Facebook, like jumping into those groups and being like, what is your experience with XYZ instead of just kind of being introverted and being like, I don't know. Like
1: totally t- And that's another risk too, because it's easy to not feel safe to ask questions.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. But once I got over that, that was the big thing. Um, and then the learning curve of um how do you put a book up online? How do you get the ISBN? How do you, but there's a lot of really good resources out there. If you really want to get it done, you just literally, they have it step-by-step for you. It's not difficult. 20 books to 50 K 20 books to 50 K the moms who write Facebook group. And then there's a bunch of like Kindle. Um, They have Kindlepreneur. KDP has like a, there's like a little, newsletter it's not little it's huge but um yeah. they have like the full breakdown of exactly what you need to do you just go look at their site and they're like this is what you need to do and they walk you through it.
1: So your book is in action and can you tell me how you as a martial artist yourself like can you tell us about like that that relationship? Yes.
0: Um I think <laughs> that was the funnest part of my book. Um so I didn't start martial arts until I was almost 30. So that was like seven years ago. And I've been writing the book much longer than that. Um, And I like action movies. I watched James Bond. I watched Power Rangers. So I just imagined what it would be like when I was writing. And then we put my kids in martial arts. I jumped in and then it kind of changed my entire perspective of writing because now I can be more realistic in not just my Um, action scenes, but my motivations behind my action scenes, because it's like, oh, big blow up things, action, somebody gets hurt, save them. Like there's so much more that goes into it. Like, um, why are they attacking like this? What training do they have? What, you know, if they have this training, then they have this discipline, they have this mindset. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it totally shaped all of my characters completely differently knowing where their training came from versus just they can do it. So right.
1: no, Instead of you, you're beyond just like ninja appears and does some kicks.
0: Yeah. We now I can go deep into like the psychology behind them, which layers all of the characters, even off the fight scenes completely differently. Cause they all behave and act and uh, interact differently. Uh, but the funnest part of it, once I got trained or started training uh, was I can now act out my fight scenes. Ooh. So I will write a fight scene and then, call my husband or my training partner and be like, we need to go test this and see if it works. And then going in and like doing the fight scenes and making them even more realistic. So that was, that's my favorite part of my writing process is beginning taking my martial arts and my um my writing and smashing them together.
1: How would that look like? Can you walk us through like how testing it might then like inform the writing?
0: Yeah. So like in book one, uh, I have an action scene where, uh, my main female character goes up against like our, one of our big bad guys. And there's a height difference. There's a weight difference uh, and just an overall psychological difference. Uh, and I had her like pinned against the wall by her throat and she was going to like kick him away. And like, you, you can see it done in the movies. Cause they can like pin someone up against a wall. I'm yeah. like, I don't even think I can do that to my, kid like hold them by their neck just how much they weigh. Yeah. Oh. And so we played around with it a little bit. And I'm like, yep, yeah, that's that is not possible to the way I had it written. So sometimes my imagination gets away from me because I think more when I write, I think in terms of a TV screen. So I'm watching it. Yeah. And like, that would look so cool. But in actuality I'm like that's impossible. Without <laughs> <laughs> without like strings and special effects. And I try to keep my uh all my fight scenes as realistic as possible.
1: And is the fight scene is that is that like the, your favorite part of of writing?
0: No, I do enjoy it. my my favorite part of writing is creating huge emotional swells. So I go for um, big heartbreaks, big gut wrenching moments. So uh, if you don't like big gut wrenching, I think I'm going to cry probably not my books are for you, but, um, yeah, that's, I, I like pulling the emotions of people. That's
1: what I go for. Like big drama. I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty fascinated with this, the fighting element. So yeah. do your kids know like, Oh, mom's going to do a fight scene. My kids train. And so
0: they ask me all the time if we can create fight scenes together. So we'll do like a multi-person fight scene and the kids will participate. Um, and they're way more deadly than I am. Uh, they've been training since <laughs> little, little, and my daughter is now the same height as me. So oh wow, she's 11 and she's like almost five, seven.
1: <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
0: and she's like a competitive gymnast, a competitive martial artist. And so she's like this, she's a beast. Yeah. Uh, and so I get to do action scenes with her now. Cause she can throw me around. Wow. So that's fun. Cause then she does throw me around and she does all the like aerials. So she can actually act out for, like, I can't do a cartwheel really. Um, But my action heroes all can do like flips and tricks. And so I'm like, Hey, I wrote this scene for you. Can we go to the gym and can, can you do it? And so she has a lot of fun now because she gets to participate in like building the action scenes in my book.
1: Was it the, you like to do the fighting in real life first? Mm -hmm. And then the book came like, which came first?
0: I like the idea of being a power ranger came first. So, or being James Bond. So that the idea of doing it came first and then I wrote it and then I had the opportunity to learn it. And then I got to apply it in my writing. So the idea of liking it came first.
1: Oh, that's cool. So then you're like, Oh, I'm doing a real life. And then you're like, Oh, I should put this in a book. Yeah. And is there a lot in this genre of female ass kickers?
0: No. Well, yes and no. Uh, In the action-adventure assassins, yes, but most of them are fantasy. And this book is not a fantasy. This is more like a Jack Ryan type. So like Tom Clancy, um, more, less like international and domestic espionage and more... uh, The Assassin's Legacy is a... It was a secret society designed to protect civilians from the government. So... It's not really like international domestic, but there's a lot going on inside the secret society. And that's what we deal with. Mm. Uh, a lot of the female assassins are like big fantasy assassins, which, which I love, but it's just not the genre that I write in.
1: Right. So you're just more like realistic female. Assass- yeah.
0: It's uh, like Nikita. If you've right. ever seen Nikita on Netflix, something similar to that.
1: So you're whole family is involved in your bookmaking. I love that. Is there any family element in the stories themselves?
0: Yes. So they're all blood families. We call them blood families, Um, but the founding families of the entire legacy and they're kind of now in fighting. So they're like found families and blood families and loyalty and betrayal and
1: all that. Now you're working on your second in the series and that's coming out in March
0: yes so i actually just put it up for pre-sale oh cool or actually i'm finishing up the keywords it should be up for pre-sale by the end of the day so march
1: 21st will be when book two comes out and did you do anything different this time around compared to your first
0: yes i plotted (laughs) i didn't plot book one which what it took me a really long time to write it. it was definitely a hobby at first um with no idea. I'm a pantser. So I had no idea where I was going with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But two, I had to plot because I wanted to get it out um, as soon as possible. And 10 years is a little obnoxious to wait for a book. So yeah, (laughs) um, I plotted, which helped a lot. And then uh, marketing wise, I already have a marketing plan where book one, I kind of just threw stuff at the wall and hoped something stuck. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of courses. I've done a lot of classes on how to market, where to market, um, writing ads, copy editing, all that stuff. So, wow, a lot more. I took it more seriously. Like, book one, I'm like, it's out. This is exciting. And I'm like, okay, I want to make this a business. Yeah. And so, the last year has been a lot of research and training myself and trying to create a schedule around the family so that I can be an awesome mom, an awesome martial arts instructor, and an awesome writer. So, I'm trying to get awesome at everything.
1: And so, I imagine though, like the first novel, Probably wasn't a huge income generator. This one, you're gonna try to make more sales, or are you you looking at even longer term goal?
0: The consensus consensus that I have gotten through tons of like well established indie authors is book three. Book three is where you start making money. Book four is where you start making money Mm. Uh, because you have a backlist and now you've kind of polished off your writing and you understand better what you're doing.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: So book three is where you start making money, especially if it's in a series in book four. So I'm trying to make a little bit of money with book two, just enough to kind of cover the expenses of my editor and my copy editor and all of that. Um, but I'm like, I'm long-term gaming it. So
1: mm.
0: I want it to be a career. So these, these are just like, like you go to grad school to learn to get your degree so you can have a better job um, or qualify for the job that you want. This is like my grad school these couple of years is my indie author grad school internship. And then once I hit book three, I should be able to take off.
1: Yeah. I love that. It's a great reminder that, you know, it is not going to happen right away, but that all of this time is valuable in the sense that you're learning it. Like I like how you describe it as an internship
0: and it keeps the expectations low. So when the book doesn't (laughs) pop off and make, you know, $10,000 $10,000 in month two, I'm not completely devastated and think I'm a terrible writer. I'm a, I'm a great writer. I know I'm a great writer. Um, mm. I just don't know how to market.
1: <laughs> yes, that is the, another whole skill set. But I, you know, definitely possible to acquire as... Yes, I'm slowly learning.
0: I've already seen an increase in sales from like pre-learning and post-learning.
1: So you mentioned that, you know, you're a mom and then you teach jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So like what does adding this new writer identity to your life like how does it how has it made you feel differently or or has it
0: um accomplished uh because it's been a goal since i was little Mm. so it was just a very nice accomplishment i want i would like to be able to i would really love to be able to retire off my writing um martial arts as much i love it it's not something i'm going to be able to do for the rest of my life one we're a military family. So we're going to be moving. So where I'm at, I'm not going to be able to like put the years in to get retirement. Mm. Uh, So this allows us to be able to move over the next six years and not have to be attached to one place. So accomplishment, um, pride because it's scary to do to be like, Hey, I wrote this book, please read it world. Yeah. Um, Enjoy. It brings me joy when I, when people enjoy my stories, that brings me joy. So as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Is there something unique that you think people will get out of your book so they don't get out of other books?
0: I know you have a lot of romance authors who come on and they will hate me. Um, it's not always a happy ever mm. after. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is like the theme of my writing is it's dark and authentic and people are messy and we can't always just make it up. We can't just be like, it's okay. I forgive you. Like sometimes we have to cut the string and we have to move on even when it hurts.
1: Mm. Is that something like that you are bringing from your own past into this writing? I,
0: I think a little bit, but so I teach the women self-defense and we talk a lot about, about boundaries. And until I started training martial arts, I didn't have boundaries. I, didn't, I was a yes person. Yes. I'll do this. Yes. I'll do that. And I was Miser- miserable, completely miserable. Mm. Uh, taking jujitsu gave me the confidence to start telling people no. Like, mm. no, I don't want to watch your kids. I don't even like you. i um, like, <laughs> like, no, I don't want to go to that party. I am exhausted. I don't want to go show face. Um, so, being able to say no then allowed me to start saying no to people, and then being able to cut off things in my life that I was not happy with. Mm. Uh, so, in my writing, I give my characters the ability to be like dude, like you just completely jacked up. There's no way we are. This isn't happening. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to tell people like, we don't have to make up. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to be anything. We can do that. But on the flip side of that, I have them do some very, very bad things for some very, very bad people. And they
1: still love each other. So
0: mm, there's.
1: I love that. Okay. You have to tell us how did jujitsu help you learn boundaries? Cause I I feel like that is also one of those common challenges that we as women and moms face is boundaries. Um, I
0: took a women empowered class, which is a Grace University specific self-defense class. So it wasn't just like I gouge and you know, kick in the groin. It's a whole system built around learning what it is to say no to somebody. Uh, cause I mean, I can say no, and then I can gouge you in the eyes, but I have to learn how to set a boundary earlier and express that boundary. So I don't like it when you give me a hug, I'd prefer a handshake. That's a boundary. I don't have to be mean about it. I don't be like, don't touch me. You have to kind of say what the action is that is making you uncomfortable. And then what you want the outcome to be. That way it's very clear what your boundaries are. A lot of people will set boundaries or um, use their body language to set a boundary, but that's not communication. That's like, mm. I want you to understand what I'm trying to tell you without me actually telling you. Uh, so being able to get clear about boundaries and we practice that. So it wasn't just the physical techniques. It was the emotional and psychological training that I got that really helped me learn how to set boundaries. Mm. Um, and just knowing that I'm worth setting boundaries for, I think of it like a, uh, kind of like a, like a fence, like I'm going to set up a fence coming towards me. And if you cross the, like, I only let the people in who say yes to my questions. So then I only have the people I want around me instead of having a bunch of people in my space that I don't agree with in terms of like big moral issues, not like people I don't agree with in terms of like, you know, pepperoni or cheese. Yeah. Um, So it just allowed me to control who had access to me, who had access to my energy, who had access to my children, which was super helpful because um, we don't do that. And then the physical aspect of it allowed me to feel more comfortable setting that boundary. Because if I can choke you with my legs, if I can knock you unconscious, mm. sorry, Susan, I'm not watching your children today. I said no. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't feel like I have to then verbally go back and forth and argue with you. My no is a no because I said it's a no. Right. Uh, so the confidence of physically being able to defend myself gave me the ability to also then verbally defend myself first.
1: And would you say then also like learning to verbally defend yourself and having that power all then like fuels the, the fighting skills? Of the- yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It fuels the fighting skills. Cause then you f- like you're just more confident a hundred percent. Like that's, I teach the women's class and that's what I see coming in. People that women are very timid. They're very like, I don't know. I don't know. And then like four months into it, I'm like, Like, they're like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, Mm. I love it. I just love the transformation of just giving women back their power and their ability to set those boundaries because it's theirs. They just sometimes forget that they are capable
1: of it. As they learn from you, they're not just learning specific maneuvers. They're also learning to like sign up for themselves because that's like the first line of defense is just to say no to Susan No, I'm not watching your stupid kids.
0: Yeah. I don't like your, your, your kids right on my walls. I don't want them in my house. Yeah. No. Um, And it it starts little and we talk about like stranger and non-stranger. So there's like the big fear is like, you're going to get jumped and kidnapped in the parking lot at you know, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, But non-strangers are actually 70% of the attackers and those are harder to set boundaries with. And those are the people you need to be setting boundaries with. So like the creepy uncle who comes in, who always gives you hugs and gives your children's hugs. And you're like, I, you make me very uncomfortable. Uh, No, like learning to set those boundaries and then recognizing those boundaries. So once you personally have your boundary set. Now you can look up and see where the other women are drowning and you can go over and help them and it's, or stand up for them or recognizing like, she looks very uncomfortable when you're sitting next to her, you need to move um, like at a party or something like that. So that's been helpful too. I've had teens come in and who have done that. They're like, I, you know, helped my friend who didn't know how to tell a guy she didn't want to go, you know, to the back room with them. And I stopped it because I knew that I could.
1: Mm.
0: Yes, it's, <laughs> I love it. Um, but it starts with knowing you're worth defending and understanding how to set that boundary. But also having the physical ability to back it up is just golden because then you're not as nervous. Like, what if I? What if they do attack me? Okay, I've been playing this for you know ten years now. Go ahead and attack me. Yeah, you may be able to beat me yeah. because you're bigger, stronger. You know and luck or whatever the case may be but i'm not going to go easily either so yeah
1: oh i love that i'm not going to go easily yeah and so these themes i imagine are like are they do they seeped into your your writing your assassin legacy
0: not the first book as much because i wrote that over the course of 10 years right uh, so it was pretty well established when i already when I started my jujitsu journey, I had already pretty set this book. So it trickles in a little bit, but the future books, it definitely like, um, I have a main character who's a side character in book one and book two. And she's like all of it. And I'm
1: like, yes, yes,
0: there she is. That's, that's
1: her. What's her name. We need to know her name. Her name is cat. Oh, Kat. Okay. Good yes. name. Yeah,
0: she's got a little bit of it in book one because I added her, she was like a character I added in later um, and she takes the the reins in
1: book two. Nice. Oh my God, this is so exciting. Wow. So, okay, what what piece of advice would you give to yourself? Um, say before you, maybe the, the version of you that was sitting on that book. What would I tell myself? The version of me sitting on book one? Mm-hmm. When you were thinking, I'm not, I'm just waiting for something. You don't
0: need the validation. You do not need the validation. That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for validation from somebody to tell me it was good enough. Mm. Um, and I remember very specifically the first time I got a full request from an agent, I was like, that, that was probably one of the top five happiest moments of my life. Mm-hmm. Like just few, like complete joy and excitement. They wanted to read the entire manuscript. Um, so like that was validation. And then I had a, are you on Twitter at all? Yeah. You know how they do the pitch wars?
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. I was doing with the pitch wars uh, and twice I got almost to the end and I ended up not getting a mentor, which was fine, but I emailed the mentor who I'd been going back and forth with like the two years. And I was like, why didn't you pick me? What was it about it? He's like, Oh, I was so glad to see your manuscript again. Like, I love your story. It's fantastic. I don't, I don't really know why I went with the other one. It was just something about that one pulled me more. I'm like, why the heck am I waiting for some random person across the world to tell me your book's good enough to publish when I already know it? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my push. He's like, Yeah, your book's fantastic. Aw. Why am I waiting? Yeah. And then why am I gonna wait to for an agent? For a whole nother year or two, and then pay them when I can just do the whole thing myself in six months. Mic drop, boom. <laughs> like that, that was like the eye-opening for me. I was like, what? I'm waiting for someone else to publish it. They're gonna take a cut and it's gonna take years for them to publish it. I can do all of that, keep the money in six months. Yeah. And that was what my girlfriend was like, just do it.
1: Just do it. Just do it.
0: Just do it. So you don't need the validation.
1: Awesome. Well, I love your message and I love all, everything about your book. It sounds really amazing. And I, um, I'm, I'm really interested to read your fight scenes. They sound phenomenal and I haven't really thought before about, you know, the realism in fight scenes. So thank you so much for sharing that, that today. So where can people catch up with you? Where's the best place?
0: Um, everything's on my website. So Libby Weber.com is like all my links I'm active on Facebook mostly. Um, I have like a readers group that anybody can join if they want to come and help name characters and stuff and just see the ridiculousness that I do. Uh, And I'm on TikTok. So, Libby Weber author, I believe, is the handle. And I, character sketches or me doing jujitsu can be found on my TikTok.
1: Oh, yeah. That sounds cool. That sounds like the perfect like author TikTok combination
0: yeah, it's a lot of fun. I do a lot of like my characters in like those really cool, like just following the dialogue of the sound. Um I like those because I don't like to really talk on TikTok too much. I I feels weird just talking to a blank screen, so I don't do it. Um, but I do post all of my jujitsu stuff up there and my fight scenes up there.
1: oh, cool. Okay. I want to check that out. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Libby. Thank you for having me, okay. So here are the top takeaways. Number one, Books are often not a single genre, but composed of many different, so being aware of where those crossovers are can allow you to layer different elements associated with each genre into your book. Number two, remember that it is all about the long game. It is very likely that if you are writing a series, it's not until you release book three or four that your sales will really start to climb. Number three, if you are having trouble deciding whether you want to go down the traditional publishing route or the self-publishing route, just remember that you don't need the validation. If that is what's holding you up, give yourself permission to let that go. Number four, and if you are planning an unconventionally long novel, know that self-publication may be a great option for you. Number five, learning a physical skill, or any skill whatsoever, can totally change your approach to writing. And number six, in writing and life, self-defense starts with boundary setting thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that show. If you can take a moment now to rate or review this podcast on Apple or Spotify, I would love that so much. It helps me continue producing these wonderful shows and bringing you awesome mom powerhouses like Libby. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing.